Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing a good friend of mine. We met a few years back when I was at a women's event, and I was encouraged to connect with this lady. We hit it off right from the get-go, and I became involved with her mission, which was to awaken, accelerate, and activate women in their divine destinies. It's called FEW, Fellowship of Extraordinary Women. I loved the mission and what was being taught and caught, and I wanted to be a part of it. They now meet once a month in our EIG Education Center where we welcome women who are interested in learning, growing, and making an impact in the lives of others. Now, I read something in my morning devotional a while back that talked about being a consumer versus being a contributor. You know, oftentimes we think about how we can consume resources, what we can get from an organization, a church, from a relationship, a job, a business connection, and that's all well and good. But the message I was reading about was the focus should instead be on what can we contribute. The emphasis was on giving instead of getting. I think if you have a benevolent mindset, that's somewhat automatic, right? But if it's not your natural go-to, perhaps we can inspire you by sharing the story of an individual who has a contribution mindset. How can she and ultimately we, contribute to something that has the potential for massive impact. So let's get started and find out more. My first guest today is Kimberly Joy, founder of FEW, Fellowship of Extraordinary Women, and Kimberly Joy Ministries. Kimberly is a mom of 11. Yes, I said 11, so she really has a mama's heart. Now you might be thinking, wow, she birthed 11 babies? Amazing. And it is. I'm a mom of three, and I thought birthing three babies was amazing. I don't know if I would be able to birth 11. But Kimberly recently helped with the birth of over 100 babies. Obviously, they were not her own, and they were not even in her own community. We're going to hear more about that inspirational story. But first, I want to welcome Kimberly to the show. Thanks for being here today, Kimberly. Thank you for having me, Jill. That was an incredible intro. Thank you. Oh, well, you are welcome. Well, Talking about this idea of a contribution mindset, why don't you tell us when you decided you wanted to be involved in global missions? Well, um, I guess I think the true answer to that would be back in my 20s. Um, I really began to see a big vision for what was possible in my future. But at the time, I was having babies, raising them. A stay-at-home mom uh, began to homeschool my children. I was nowhere near any kind of mission field or um, even connections with anyone who would open the door to any kind of global contribution. But I was invited at the age of 26 on my first mission trip. And so I had five children at the time. My youngest was one and I was able to get away for 10 days. Nice. Which I <laughs> What mean, mom doesn't need that, right? <laughs> can we just mark that as the first miracle of today's episode, right? And I uh, went to Costa Rica, and um, I saw, you know, some, some people's lives that looked similar to my own. I would never say the same um, as an American life. But then we went, you know, the higher into the mountain regions we went, the more I 
didn't, their lives were unrecognizable to me. It was uh, the level of poverty, the level of gratitude that mm. they showed, the level of community that they lived, the red carpet that they rolled out for us when they had little to nothing to give us, but they gave that little to nothing to us. And it just totally changed my mind and my heart. And so that was your launch into global missions, would you say, at the age of 26? Or did it kind of take a back seat for a while when you had the rest of your, your children, your brood, and then you stepped back into it again? Definitely not a launch. It was just a taste. Okay. And I think that's where I caught the bug. And I, I knew that I'd be back, but I had no idea how and no idea when. Okay. Yeah. So how did you decide who you wanted to help then? I mean, did you have a focus? Yeah. Well, in 2011, when I started my business, I started a coaching practice, which eventually led to few. I also bought a, um, a website for my future global ministry. So I think I just want your listeners to know that some of the powerful things we get to do in our lives, we first do them in our minds and our hearts and our imaginations by faith. And I think if we can hold on to that seed of faith and see in our mind's eye what's possible, we will end up doing it. So I bought this URL, Kimberly Joy Ministries. No clue what that would look like. Then in 2022, so I bought that URL in 2011. 11 years later, in 2022, I met Dr. Patricia Bailey, and I went on a mission trip again. So gosh, from 26 till my 52nd birth or 51st birthday, um, 25 years later, I was back on the mission field. Mm. And um, it just so happened that through my meeting of her, and she's been in global missions for 43 years, there was my open door. I had a myriad of choices of how I could contribute to the needs of others globally. We started with clean water. Um, we did solar power in regions where there was no, you know, none of that. We were putting women in Africa in business. Um, gosh, we just started to do where there was a need, we met it. And when I say we, the women of few joined me in these um, incredible campaigns, and we made a difference quickly. Then last year at our conference, we raised enough money to actually begin and, and found our very first maternity clinic in the bush of Liberia where there is zero, and I, I mean zero, medical care. That was your who, wasn't it? That became my who. And, you know, last year before I met Dr. Bailey, I saw this post or video or whatever. You know, we were so inundated now we don't remember where we hear things anymore. So I'm not trying to steal somebody's creds. But um, <laughs> I saw this thing that said, um, we can't be for everything. So what's your one thing? Mm. Okay. And for, for your audience that is obviously very philanthropic in nature and in heart and benevolent like you described, I would pose that question, what's your one thing? Because that is such a powerful question to answer. And I, I pondered that for a little while, and, um, and I'm a person of faith, so I prayed on that too. I didn't want to miss what might be wrapped up in my purpose too. And it was so funny because I felt like, you know, God and I had this conversation where the answer was, duh, babies. <laughs> <laughs> You know, hello, wrap hello. upside the head. <laughs> Remember that whole thing where you loved them from the day you were born, and so you had 11 of them, and you still love them? Sometimes so. it takes that, you know, to really wake up, right? Sometimes you don't see the obvious about yourself. Right. But when I was asked that question, it made me really pinpoint. So I was like, okay, babies really are my thing. So whatever I do, it's got to benefit the least of these, the most vulnerable 
of any population are the babies. They can do nothing for themselves. They can do nothing to protect themselves and provide for their own needs. And so anything that would eventually benefit them or directly benefit them became a priority to me. Okay. And I think it's it's interesting that you say, what's your one thing? Because I think nowadays people can get wrapped up in doing so many things. Yes. But if you want to do something well and you want to sustain it, right? I mean, you want to do something that just really speaks to your heart, that really gets you moving. And like you said, find that one thing. Maybe there's few people out there, I don't know many, that can do a lot of things well. But if you focus on what is your one thing yes, and just do that well. I think it gives us permission not to do something about everything. And I know a lot of benevolent people who are paralyzed because there's so much need in so many places. And instead of thinking, what's my one thing? They're like, well, how can I do something about everything? And that's immediately shuts you down. Right. So when you say, what's my one thing? And you're like, I'm making my contribution to this planet right here. I'm doing it with gusto. I'm giving it all my heart. And I'm not the answer for everything, but I am the answer for this one thing. Exactly. And that just reminds me of something that was said a while ago by, again, I don't remember where I read it, but, you know, we're not called to do everything. We are called to do something. Yeah. You know, even if it's one thing, focus on what that one thing is and then run with it. Um, So we have a, a nonprofit seminar that we are doing, and Kimberly is actually the keynote speaker. And the topic is massive impact. So stay tuned because we're going to talk more about that idea after the break. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Kimberly Joy, founder of FEW, Fellowship of Extraordinary Women, and Kimberly Joy Ministries. So let's talk about this idea of massive impact. Did you ever imagine, Kimberly, that being a mother of many would lead to helping babies all over the world? (laughs) No. Um, Short answer? Yeah, short answer, no. (laughs) In fact, when I was raising my babies, I was like, who's going to help me? Because I felt like I was raising a world full of babies. Um, And so to tell my 20-something and early 30-something that one day I would be helping babies across the globe just probably, I would have wanted really bad to believe it, but it would have been hard to believe. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think when we talked, you know, a moment ago about my one thing, it just makes so much sense that I would help in that way. But what was surprising about how this all came to be was um, I got this call from Dr. Bailey about this Liberian maternity clinic, and it was last fall. The nonprofit wasn't um, official yet. I had been working with an attorney because of some of those other things we had started to do, it was quite clear that this was the time for that website to be put into use. And um, she called me and said, you know, we've got this project in Liberia and the funding stopped. So we had enough funding for the building, but we don't have funding to renovate. We don't have funding for the doctor, the nurse, the maternity ward, you know, the birthing tables, the equipment, the medicine, yada, yada. And um, in that moment, I think anybody who's ever done anything to help somebody has a moment like this where you say something that you kind of can't believe came out of your own mouth. And that was my moment. I said to her, we're going to pay for that clinic. We're going to take care of it. 
And I said, the, the women of few and me, we're going to do this. And immediately I was like, how are we going to do that? <laughs> I was like, a, a, I have no clue what we're talking about numbers wise. I mean, I've never done anything like this. I don't even know what, I mean, I've been in some birthing centers, so I kind of know the equipment that goes in the room, but I don't know how much it costs and so forth. And so as soon as I said that, she said to me, she's like, really? And I then this is what came out of my mouth. I said to her, several of my babies I had while well, I was considered at poverty level for America. And I said, I lived at poverty level while I was having my family. And yet I was in a state-of-the-art birthing center with a team of people there to help me an ambulance that could get me from my home to the hospital in 10 minutes or less. And I never once worried if there would even be clean water to clean my baby off after I gave birth. These women were having to walk because this part of Liberia doesn't even have what we would call roads. It has paths and trails and makeshift bridges, and it's very, very dangerous and very washed out and very muddy. And their main mode of transportation, if they have it, is a motorbike. Now, the thought of getting on the mm. back of a motorbike while in labor, yeah, die. Yeah. that made me say, no. Mm -mm. Not on my the, watch. Not on my watch. Yeah. And then we had heard a story or just prior to this maternity clinic, which really was the impetus for the clinic, a woman on her way um, to have her baby. The nearest clinic was a, a seven or eight hour drive. She didn't have a car, found someone with a car while she was in labor, was a mother of eight children already, and the car died on the way to the clinic, and she bled out in the back seat of the car, and her nine children were then left motherless. Mm. And one week later, the infant passed away as well. So because of no medical care whatsoever in the region, both mama and baby were gone. Mm. And then we learned two weeks later that the father abandoned the remaining children. So now we had a family of orphans. And I just had to wonder, Jill, what would have happened had this mother had a safe and healthy birth and the baby had, um, you know, postpartum care and the mother had postpartum care. This story could be a happy ending, but we will never know because it's too late. Yeah. And so when I heard this story about the clinic and there being a lack of funding, I had to do something. Mm. Well, and I know uh, we were sitting in that few meeting where um, it was wonderful because it's a room full of like-minded women, right? And so you put the the call out there, and we were like, yes, you know, let's let's do something to help. Because, again, everybody can do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. It just takes that initial step. Yes. And you had talked in the past about, you know, not everybody can do something. Not everybody can go to Liberia on a missions trip. But you, Kim, had talked about, uh, you can be involved in sending somebody yes. to go. Yes. And you're still crucial in that equation of being a contributor. So crucial. In fact, the saying I like to use is the goer and the sower get the same credit mm. in God's economy. Mm. So if you sow a seed so that someone else can go, or you sow a seed so that someone else can live, or someone else can have hope, or someone else can have education, clean water, just... Whatever it is, if you sow a seed to help the least of these, you get the same credit as the person who gets on the plane 
and lands on another continent and goes into the bush of Liberia. And so the goer and the sower together are both not only equally rewarded, but equally necessary for these things to happen. Yeah, love that, love that. Well, you are an author, a speaker, a trainer, an entrepreneur, founder of a nonprofit, mother of 11, <laughs> a nanny, a grandmother, to soon to be eight grandchildren. Congratulations. Thank you. How do you have time to help people across the world? Yes, I love this question because I want people to see I don't, I don't like to hear that list because it sounds so braggadocious, but I want people to hear that list and think, yeah, how does she have time? Because listen, if I have time, you have time. That's the only reason I want that conversation to happen. And here's how I have time, through the power of collaboration. Mm. I am not the person in Liberia. I'm not the person buying the cement for the medical clinic. I'm not the person buying the medical equipment. I'm not the doctor. I'm not the nurse. I'm back here coordinating the needs. I'm back here in the U.S. working with Dr. Bailey and others in Liberia to make these things happen. You're collaborating with the contributors. Exactly. <laughs> so the sowers sow, and we give, and then we make decisions. I mean, a lot of it, truly, Jill, the, the impact isn't just financial. It's problem-solving. And um, something that I've, I've really decided lately is, and, and I say this with all humility, but as a mother of 11, and um, having had their father dealing with chemical dependency and severe addiction issues, I've become a pretty great problem solver in my <laughs> life. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a solution strategist. I've really become a strategist in business, as a mom, as a woman, as a friend. I love to sit down and say, "You have there's a strategy for you, and we're not getting up until we find it. Because I have seen the most impossible obstacles can be overcome with the right strategy and the right solution. And so a lot of what we're doing to help people is being great strategists and solutionists and making sure that um, their problem is solved because of resources and resources and ideas that we're able to gather for them from back here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Not to say I'm not willing to be a goer. I've been to South Africa twice. I'm going back in the fall. I've been to Jamaica twice. I've been to Costa Rica once. I am a goer and a sower. And not everybody's called to do that. And I'm not going every time I'm invited. But yes, I'll do both where, mm -hmm. where needed. Yeah, you're contributing to the cause in a number of number of different ways. Well, you've got lots going on, girl. Uh, as we just talked about, and we're not even getting to everything. There, we could take the whole rest of the show to talk about the ways that you are contributing to society and your community locally, nationally, globally, right? Um, but what does the future hold for Kimberly Joy Ministries? Well, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, um, but I can tell you that we've just only scratched the surface. Um, we have opportunities to make a difference. We've made significant difference now in seven different African nations through clean water, through eco-villages, through maternity clinics. And um, I just see so much more of that. And that's, that's one continent. And there's seven. So you know how I look at that. You know, go big or go home. <laughs> Why limit yourself to one continent when there are six <laughs> others waiting for you? And maybe that's why I was crazy enough to have a, those 11 babies. Why limit yourself to the 2.3 children <laughs> when you could have 11? <laughs> but that's just how I think. And that's the vision that I see because... You know, there's a verse in, in uh, the Psalms that says, you know, don't you know that you were called to defend the defenseless, to advocate for the forgotten? 
and to bring justice to those who have gotten no justice. Mm. And those kinds of folks live everywhere. Yeah. And again, I can't do everything for all of them, but I can do something. Yeah, as can can we. Um, if you're listening today and you want to find out more about uh, all the different ways that Kimberly Joy is making an impact, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, definitely social media, especially if they would like to know more information about the ministry and how to contribute. Um, if anybody would want to partner with us on a monthly basis or one-time basis, please, you can look on Instagram, Kimberly Joy Ministries, Facebook, Kimberly Joy Ministries, and I will personally see that message, and I'd be glad to have a conversation with anybody who thinks that our one thing might be their one thing, too. Yay! And you can probably just Google Kimberly Joy Ministries and things will come up. Yep. So. Uh, you know, just know that there's many ways that you can reach out to Kimberly. If you need to, you can reach out to me because she and I are connected. Yes. So I can get the word to her if need be. So thank you for being here today, Kimberly, and for all the wonderful ways that you are a contributor in many different areas, again, locally, nationally, and globally. Thank you, Jill. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. And a shout out to EIG, Ellen Becker, for this opportunity. Thank you, Karen. And God bless you all for what you do to help the ones helping others. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we return, we're going to hear from two other women who caught what was being taught in part under Kimberly's tutelage and went on to become book authors and make an impact in their own special way. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest today is a fellow FEW member and best-selling Amazon uh, book author. Her name is Nancy Major. Welcome to the show today, Nancy. Thank you, Jill. It's wonderful to be here. So good to see you again. Nice to see you, too. So... Give us the 411 then on how you met Kimberly and, and why you decided to become a member of FEW. Sure. Well, it was actually a divine connection um, through a mutual acquaintance of Kimberly and I, and she had invited me to be her guest at the first meeting. I had written a manuscript, and I had a dream that I think God put in my heart to publish it. And the really interesting thing is this connection, this person who invited me to the first meeting, explained that Kimberly is also a publisher of women's testimonies. And so it drew me to come to the very first meeting. And I got to hear and see and witness what Kimberly's group was all about. And I just fell in love with it. It was just everything and more than what I could have ever imagined. Here is this room full of powerful, dynamic women learning and discussing the purposes of divine destiny. And that just, wow, blew my mind. Yeah. Well, the mission of few is to awaken, activate, and accelerate women in their divine destinies, right? And Kimberly is an author herself of a number of different books. And 
talk about what I talked about in the very first segments of being a contributor. She wanted other people to be able to contribute and was was interested in helping them to realize that dream of publishing their story, right? Um, what inspired you to write your story, especially now? Sure. So my, my whole story is really that God um, called me to do it. It was not a story I wanted to share. It was not my lifelong dream to become an author or anything like that. Um, certainly not this story. It was something very much that God called me to write and um, wanted me to share this kind of ugly time in my life as a way to show what God had done in my life and how he brought me through it and where I am today, that it would be used as a vehicle of hope for others. I think that is so important what you just said, you know, that um, all God, all glory goes to God, right? Because we all have stuff, let's just say, stuff, baggage, whatever you want to say, in our past that we um, may not want to tell the masses. Correct. But understanding that when we get certain things out there, we become more real, right? It, more approachable, more like, oh, yeah, that, you know, she's had some challenges in her life, too. And and I say many times, you know, we, we just have, we all have challenges. This is my challenge looks different from your challenges, different from Kimberly's challenge and on and on, right? But if we understand that um, God wants us to share that and to put it out there, and to let people know that he is the one that has helped us through on this journey. And again, he gets all the glory, which is wonderful. Um, so tell us a little bit more. Like what chapter was the most challenging to write and why? So probably the most challenging for me was, um, I think it's chapter 13. It's closing the mouths. Um, it's the story of really where everything kind of hit um, the, the rock bottom. And it's the it was the most challenging because it's the most private and most intimate part of how I became a Christian and how I had a personal encounter with God. It was undeniable. It was um, something that was just the most beautiful and sacred and holy experience I'd ever ever had. And so that was challenging to find words for an experience that there's really no words to describe. Mm. Um, so that's why that was specifically challenging. It was just the most beautiful and most, um, uh, how do I explain it? It was something where I felt this level of gratitude that I had never experienced before in my life because I knew he was rescuing me. Mm. That's beautiful. Tell us, don't keep us in suspense. Tell us the name of the story, the, the name of the book. The name of my book is A Wretch Like Me, A Modern Day Mary Magdalene Saved by Grace. And we're not going to give everything away. We're not giving away the farm here. So you're just going to have to order your book on Amazon to get the whole story. But what helped you the most in sharing your story? And what did it lead to as a next step for you? So I, I really have to give all the credit to Kimberly Joy um, from The Few and all of her work and the continuing um, to come every month to the meetings. It gave me so much strength and courage and I could I could lean on God in a way that I had never even thought about. So the whole mission of Few to awaken, activate and accelerate, um, she teaches all of us how to do that and no matter and the other beautiful part about it is she met me where I was at mm -hmm. I wasn't all the way there I wasn't a hundred percent I was scared 
out of my head. This was a really deeply personal story. And she just kept strengthening me. And I saw her do it with other women. She just has this gift of tapping into our hearts, I guess. And pouring Um, into women, right? Exactly. And she just kept lifting me up. Um, every time I kind of faltered and she continues to this day, I I just think her, her gift in, um, helping people recognize their divine destiny and helping, uh, give and pour into is just an incredible gift from God. Yeah. And, you know, she does it in a number of ways, right? There's the coaching, there's, um, mentoring, there's, um, you know, helping people write their story, there's you know, there's so many things under that few umbrella that women can tap into. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So that was the other thing. And she also helped encourage me to take the next step is, okay, what are we going to do with the story once it gets published? You know that it's meant to help other people. God wants you to use the story to help other people. And there are a number of ways to do that. So I tapped into her programs, the other extension, which is her coaching institute, which was just a beautiful gift. And it it was something here I thought I was going to learn all of these skills, which I did, but I also was able to um, just gain so much more personal, again, the acceleration part of my own faith journey, my own divine destiny. And again, it was just such a prophetic and beautiful journey just to see a whole other aspect of working with Kimberly. Um, She's just one incredibly blessed individual and truly a gift. Yeah, I would agree. I think we all need people that pour into us then, right? And then we, our cup overflows, and then we then pour into somebody else. It's this whole, again, contributor mindset that if people just, I don't want to say focus on that, because of course, we're all consumers to a certain degree. But if we focus instead on contributing, meaning the giving instead of the getting, um, we'll be blessed in so many ways, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so what's one thing that you want the readers of your book or the listeners of our interview today to take away from your story? We are all born overcomers. We have the capacity to conquer any obstacle that's in front of us with God. He has imbued that in all of us. We have his spirit. We were created in his image. So I truly believe that if anybody reads my story or learns about it, I think it's a really empowering story because you can come out on the other side of anything mm-hmm. as a victorious person. And there, it, it doesn't have to be the end of the road. Um, and that's the beauty of God. That's just, I give all the glory to him, is the ability to continue on mm. and and once you go through the fire you're better on the other side right and it 100%. could be the start of something new right um so the name of the book again and what's the best way for people to get their hands on it it's a wretch like me a modern day mary magdalene saved by grace it's available on amazon and wherever books are sold all right thank you so much nancy major thank you for being here today and sharing your impactful insightful inspirational story with us today Thank you so much, Jill. It's been such a pleasure. It always is. And I appreciate Ellen Becker Investment Group so much. Well, you are welcome. You're welcome. Well, it's time for another commercial break, but stay tuned to hear another inspirational story from a fellow few women and best-selling book author. So we'll be right back. 
Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations, and I'm talking in our last segment today with another FEW member and best-selling book author, Linnea West. Welcome to the show today, Linnea. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having me. This is just such a joy. Well, you are welcome. We're welcome to and interested in hearing your story. But first, tell us how FEW has impacted your life because you are a, uh, as I said, a fellow FEW member. I met you a while back at mm-hmm. uh, your first FEW meeting. How has FEW impacted you? Well, you know, I, my story is very similar to Nancy's. I had a lifelong dream of writing a book. I had written almost all of my book, and I, I was talking to a friend, and she told me about FEW. And she said, you know, I think you might like to go to few organization and also that they have a publishing section. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And so um, I went there to our few forum the first time. And the moment I walked in the room, I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. I just saw all these great ladies, these smiles on their face, the fellowship, the fun, the friendship. But more more importantly, I just felt the spirit of the Lord in that room, and it was so strong, and mm. I, I knew I was supposed to be there. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, and it's you know that it's right, right? Yeah. You, you know like it's I, right when it feels right. I just knew, yeah. okay, I'm here. Now yeah. what? Oh, I better talk to this Kim lady and find out about yes. publishing a book. I mean, yeah. Well, tell us how Kimberly's impacted your life then. Well, um, I talked to her about my book that I had been writing for so long. It was a, like a lifelong dream um, that I was writing, and I talked to her, told her what it, was, what it was about, and immediately she looked at me and said, yeah, this is something that our, we would like to publish. Um, I also, I knew nothing about publishing. I was a nurse for 40 years, and they don't teach you anything about publishing and nursing. So I came there very, you know, green. And um, the one thing that was so amazing about Kimberly was, again, like Nancy, she took everything just the way it was. She accepted for accepted me for who I was, and she met me right where I was, very inexperienced, not knowing anything, not even knowing how to use the computer or edit things on the computer. And she never made me feel inadequate. She empowered me to be the best that I can be. And I was amazed at her her writing and editing skills and everything that she does. And I was also blown away by the team that works with her in her publishing company, part of few. It's wonderful when you have somebody pouring into you like that, isn't it? It yeah. is. And just because knowing that their heart is just in the right spot. Yeah, right? I never felt alone. I never felt alone. She guided me the whole way, and mm. it was so comforting. Wonderful. Well, tell us what your book is about. It's called My Anna, When You Call, God Answers. So tell us a little bit about it. Okay. It's a true story about my life about 38 years ago. Um, I was a single mom with two babies in diapers. 
And I found myself alone, broke, really broke, on public aid and food stamps. And worst, the worst part of it was I was battered mentally. Mm. Um, I broke away from that. I came back from California and came to live in Illinois. I stayed. I didn't have any place to go. I didn't have money, and I didn't have a place. So I stayed in a friend's attic for a while and kind of got my bearings straight and moved out um, after several months. But I wasn't ready. I was still suffering from a post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, I had to work, so I worked as a nurse, but really, really struggled with the two babies in diapers alone at night in this tiny little apartment. It was kind of like a studio apartment, real low income, you know, cockroaches. It was really, really rough. We didn't have food. I didn't really know how to survive. I was just on auto auto mode when I worked in the hospital. And I had very low self-esteem. When uh, One day a doctor had come up to me and he said, Linnea, do you realize when you talk to me, you can only look at my feet? You can never look at me in the eyes. And mm-hmm. I said, no. And that's when I realized, okay, you know, I need to get some some help. And that's when I started to reach out and got some help. But in my book, I talk about after a night that I had with Shana, my youngest one, who was um, a baby in her crib at night, and something woke me up, and she had a febrile seizure. And I went and went over to her crib, and she her temperature was like 105, 106. Oh yeah, and I iced her down and called 911. I spent the whole night in the emergency room. The paramedics can't come, and they stayed with my other son, who was two at the time, Came back about 4.35 in the morning, didn't sleep at all, got got somebody to watch the kids, went, believe it or not, back to work mm. that day with no sleep. And as I was going to work, crying with toothpicks in my eyes, hardly could see straight, knowing I had a big, long eight-hour day, I said, Lord, I need help. Really, I need help. I don't know how I can do this. And I cried out to him, and I said, help me, Lord. And he answered my prayers, and he gave me a lady named Anna. Mm -hmm. I called this Polina agency, and um, the first day I had off, I interviewed her, and she came. She couldn't even say yes or no, but all I wanted was somebody who would take care of my kids. That's Mm -hmm. all I wanted, and I wanted my kids to be safe. And even though she couldn't say yes or no, I looked into her eyes, and all I saw was compassion and love. Mm. And I knew right then and there that she was the one, and I hired her right on the spot. Mm. And so my book is about how she came into our lives. She stayed with us for three years, and she became the catalyst of my healing process. And having her there, I was able to rest and learn and grow as a Christian. And, and, you know, to sum it up, my book is about love. It's about loss. It's about forgiveness. It's about healing and restoration, and that God can do all of that for us. Mm, gosh, all all good stuff. All good stuff. Yeah. Well, what impact has your story had on, on people that are reading it? You know, that's been the, such a surprising thing for me. I, I've had so much joy in getting the feedback on my book. The very first thing I can say is when people say, you know, 
um, I just started reading your book, the very first thing they say is, I can't put it down. Mm. It surprised me. It really did. I was like, wow. She said, it's so compelling. I love it, you know. And that is so encouraging when you've written a book and you've had this dream for so long. You want people to be impacted by what you've done. And the other thing is some people say that it has brought them closer to God by reading my book um, because they see how God turned things around for the good. Mm-hmm. And I give God all the glory for that. Yeah, yeah. And well, most of all, I have one last thing. Yes. Is that people say to me, never in a million years would I have thought that you went through such a rough childhood of alcohol, drugs, and neglect, and then a marriage that was so abusive and so rough. Even there's a time in my book where I talk about, and this sounds really horrible, but I'll say it, I was at a point that I was like a caged animal. And I threw a knife. My dad taught me how to throw knives when I was younger. I was a, like a professional knife thrower. And there was a time when my husband, at the time, he needed a little wake-up call, and I was about 20 feet away from him. And I whipped out my knife from the kitchen. I went to the drawer. I got a, a chef's knife, which is pretty darn big. Yeah. And I whipped that thing across the room 20 feet right by his head, you know, and it stuck in the wall. Wow. Well, that was a kind of a wake-up call, and he ran out. And he got the message. <laughs> he got the message loud and clear, He right? got the message. But by then I knew, you know, things were going downhill and it was time to leave, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, but the people say to me, you seem so healed and whole and full of life. And you shine for Jesus. And it just really blesses me that people see that whatever you go through, no matter how bad it gets, that God can take care of it and he can restore you. Absolutely. Yep. Amen to that one. Absolutely. You know, I interv- I do some tough interviews uh, with people who have gone through some very challenging times. And I say that, you know, we're not trying to turn a blind eye to the situation uh, or what they've gone through. But we want to instead recognize that it happened or recognize that it exists if it's poverty or, you know, abuse, uh, whatever it happens to be, recognize that it exists. But now what can we do about it? Again, it gets back to that contributor mentality. We can all do something. And you did something. Whether you realize it or not, you wrote your story and you have no idea how many people you will potentially impact who read Thank your you. story. Thank you, Jill. Yes, yours I, and Nancy's. I believe absolutely. in not throwing things under the rug and trying to hide your life. I believe in sharing so that you can let people know that there's hope. Absolutely. Yep. You're a hope dealer, as they say. Yeah, you all are, right? Well, thank you, Linnea West, uh, fellow FEW member and Amazon bestselling author of My Anna, When You Call, God Answers. And again, this is available on Amazon. Yes. Correct. So pick up your copy and and, uh, learn what the rest of the story, dot, 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 right? I would say that for Nancy as well. You know, there's good stuff to be learned. So thank you for participating in the interview today. Thank you so much, Jill, for having me. I appreciate it. You are welcome. I want to thank all my guests today, Kimberly Joy, Nancy Major, and Linnea West, all from FEW, all book authors, all contributing to making a difference in the lives of others. I appreciate you all sharing how you're inspired by each other and how you've gone on to then inspire others on your journey in life. So thank you for participating today. 
If you'd like further information about what we talked about, you can reach out directly to Kimberly or Nancy at Few or Kimberly Joy Ministries for more information about anything that we talked about. Be sure to get your hands on Nancy and Linnea's books, as we said, uh, if it speaks to your heart. They're both available on Amazon. If you know of a great organization or people doing great work in our community that you think would be a great guest for our show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. We'll take the necessary steps to reach out and get the ball rolling. So tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's philanthropic community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are practicing a contribution mindset and making a difference in our community as well as nationally and in some cases globally. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can now also listen on demand, which means Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or Google Play. So my call to action today is give some thought to how you can make a shift in your mindset of consumer to contributor. Our guests have shared how they have done that. Uh, Figure out how you can make a difference in your own special way by perhaps donating, volunteering, or advocating for a nonprofit that speaks to your heart. Take some time to find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.